I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. I'm just thinking for Halloween, could you give out a candied canned ham? I think that would work. You're into the weekend, everybody. Thanks a lot for checking in. Reed Wilkins with you inside sports on 630 Chet. You can text or call 780-496-0063. The story this week has been the passing of Joey Moss, the celebration of everything he meant to this city and the people he touched. So what are we going to do for Joey? Well, a lot of interesting suggestions. And uh, I'm pleased to welcome to the show the uh, gentleman behind the excellent Twitter account, I Heart Edmonton. It's actually the word heart. Emil Tiedemann checking in tonight. Emil, thanks for doing this on short notice. I know we just got in touch uh, about half an hour ago. You're on with Reed. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. First of all, just tell me a little bit about the inspiration of, of the Twitter account because I find it to be a, uh, a very positive uh, kind of celebratory uh, Twitter account for the most part. I think we can use a little more positivity on social media. So tell us a little <laughs> bit about getting it going. Thank you. Um, yeah, I started it 11 years ago in 2009, um, actually at a time when I heard a lot of negative stuff about Edmonton from Edmontonians saying, things like there's nothing to do here um and that kind of got on my nerves after a while because i just knew that that was just not true and so i started this blog i heart edmonton um as a way to combat that and show people that we live in a really great city and there's so much to do here and so i was just out to change people's minds well it's it's a great twitter account did you do you mind if i ask what uh, what you do for a living uh right now i'm unemployed actually as okay. of about well. two weeks ago <laughs> Oh, well, I'm, so, I'm sorry to hear that, and obviously tough times, but you're, you're doing a great job uh, with the Twitter account, uh, I Heart Edmonton, if people want to follow it. Okay, so you've got a – now, there are a lot of great ideas about what, what we could do for Joey Moss, and I don't want to, uh, um, you know, favor any of them, but you have taken an additional step and that you actually have a petition going. Tell us about right. your idea and, and where people can find all this stuff. Well, the idea itself um, came – from uh, a few different people online um, on Twitter, um, changing the downtown arena, community arena, uh, changing its name to the Joey Moss community arena. Um, and so I kind of ran with that, and uh, there was a lot of people talking about statues and banners, and I thought that this one just made even more sense. And I think that the city may go ahead and do it a banner and a statue as it is anyways, um, or the Oilers. Um, but the downtown community arena seemed like it was just a perfect fit for somebody like Joey Moss because he represented community in Edmonton and hockey, and that's exactly what this downtown arena represents. So I thought this would be the perfect fit for him. Now, how's it been How's it been going? Is there a certain amount of signatures that you need to formally present it, and, and are a lot of people jumping on board? Um, it's going really well, actually. I, I really didn't even know we'd hit 5,000. Um, I didn't even imagine 10,000. We just got 11,000 um, earlier this evening, um, earlier this afternoon, I should say. And, yeah, it's it's been nothing but positive. I, I, you don't need a certain amount to actually bring it to the city. Um, 
there's an application form for for the naming committee. I, I'm in the process of filling that out, and then I'm going to uh, submit this petition as well, kind of as an extra boost to, to show that this is something that looks like people want. Do you have any personal memory of uh, of Joey Moss, even even if you didn't meet him, or or something that you, you felt was a connection? Um, I've never met him myself. Um, my my father, who's passed since, uh, he was a big Oilers fan. He was a big Joey Moss fan. He just uh, whenever I think of Joey Moss, I think of my father. Um, and as for myself, I really got to know him um, when I was putting a book together about the city. Uh, I wrote about him in that book a little bit. Um, I learned a lot about him and what he represents. And I just thought he's such a cool guy, he's really inspiring, and he's perfect um, representation of, of our city and inclusivity. Um, and yeah, I think like everybody, just kind of fall in love with somebody like that. And I think we need to do something to honor somebody like that. Yeah, it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the the city does, what the double E do, what the Oilers do. Who, who knows how many organize? And uh, you know, I, I had somebody from the Winifred Stewart Association on. Uh, Sue Gilchrist is the CEO there. She was on. Uh, I believe it was Tuesday night. The days are a bit of a blur, but uh, talking about the Joy Moss Foundation and a lot of donations have been going to that, um, which is awesome. And I mean, yeah. your account is called I Heart Edmonton, and he was just such a huge reason to heart Edmonton. Right, exactly. All right. Uh, again, the, the Twitter account is is I Heart Edmonton, and it's actually spelled out. It's not the sign for the heart. You're doing great. You got almost twenty thousand followers, and good for you for celebrating Joey and celebrating uh, things about our city. Did I miss anything else you'd want to get out there, Emil? Um, no, just that if you do want to sign the petition, it's at change.org, and you just search uh, Joey Moss, and you'll find it under there. Okay, good stuff. Thanks for coming on, especially on short notice. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me. Emil Tiedemann checking in on Inside Sports tonight. So uh, he's uh, he's mobilizing to try to get this petition going to name the downtown community arena after Joey Moss, one of many ideas that we have uh, heard about over the week. Somebody wrote into Bob Layden, name a school after Joey. We've talked about statues, banners, uh, doing something special with Joey's seat at Rogers Place. There, there. I mean, look. It's pretty obvious to say there. There will be multiple ways in which Joy Moss is honored and and very, very deserving for sure. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three is the number to call or text. Uh, I'm I, I'm in a little bit of shock here because something just happened online. Bob Layden retweeted one of my tweets. Well, this looks good. I need to put this out on my account. That is incredible. Wow. I, I, I'm a little rattled now but by this. That 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 never happens. We have a lot to get to tonight. As you may have heard me tease earlier on the afternoon news, Serge Savard is on the show, one of the all-time greats, eight-time Stanley Cup champion. He's in the Hockey Hall of Fame. He'll tell some stories, let you know what's going on. He's got a book out that's uh, – well, he's had a book out for a year. It's now available in English. When we – Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline get back ryan bartoshik he's the commissioner of the ajhl and they're getting ready to go in a couple of weeks well 
you know, we had Steve Stales on the show last night uh, from the Hamilton Bulldogs, former Edmonton Oiler, because the Ontario Hockey League is coming back. It's, it's too bad we didn't have this part of the story. They're coming back without body checking. I, I personally, I think this has to eventually be reversed by the time they start playing in February. This is absolutely absurd. You know, of course, everybody's concerned about COVID. The, the sports leagues are concerned. But the NHL came back. The NBA came back. The NFL's come back. Baseball played. And they didn't have to change the rules. They did things to make it safe. They didn't take one of the essentials of the games uh, off the curriculum. So I, I just think this is this is... This is just poor, and I, and I can't see how they're going to be able to proceed that way. I mean, if you're going to play without body checking, you might as well cancel the season. But to me, that's a compromise that isn't acceptable. Here in Alberta, the AJHL will be back on November 13th. This is good news to discuss the commissioner of the AJ. It's Ryan Bartoshik. Ryan, welcome back to the show. Congratulations. You got a start date. How does that feel? Yeah, thanks, thanks Reed. Appreciate you having me on. Um yeah, it's exciting. You know, I'm, I'm excited for, for our athletes and, and our teams and, and our communities and, you know, fortunate to be playing the game in, in its intended fashion, as you were just discussing. So, um, yeah, yeah, we're excited. But, you know, since since March 12th, since we got shut down, it's, it's been about safety. And, and that has to continue to be the message here moving forward that, hey, we're, we're fortunate to be on the ice we're fortunate to have a start date and um you know we can't get lazy here and we have to you know we have a responsibility to to the guidelines and and the safety of our athletes so um yeah it's 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 good but um still still lots of work to be done well that's a fair point it's obviously a day-to-day thing with with the pandemic but in terms of the safety for the players and the coaches and, and maybe even the fans i guess we got to see what happens there what are some of the key things that 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 people might need to know when they want to follow the aj regular season yeah and, and you know there was a release of, of some new guidelines um almost two weeks ago and we were very appreciative to the alberta government for for our inclusion in those guidelines and, and you know really they they acknowledge that you know there's some sophistication to the league and and there's a commitment to our athletes as far as developing them and moving them on to to any level they desire so again appreciative for our inclusion in in that document and you know the reality is since since september 1st um when we started our development season we've had a a plan in place protocols in place that that we've worked with the government with and and respective medical officials so We'll continue to do that um, and move forward here. But, uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be exciting to have the games mean something in the standings. Now, in terms of the season, I understand the schedule. Well, I mean, obviously you're starting later, but you, there'll be some, I guess, adjustments to sort of cut down on the travel a little bit and still get in as many games as you can? Yeah, we're, we're working through those right now, obviously, with with our communities and our team is based on arena availability and, and ultimately we'll just be playing with within a division. So we're working through that right now. And, you know, like I mentioned earlier, it's about meeting the guidelines and, and the safety of our athletes and accommodating enough time between games. So uh, it will be a challenge, uh, but at the end of the day, that's our responsibility to get that schedule done and guidelines. So, um, okay. We'll so North, so North plays against the North, South plays against the South. And I should say to people who maybe don't follow the AJHL that closely that that's not that drastic a change. For example, when I covered the Lloydminster Bobcats in the North Division, they would only play each South team 
twice total, once home, once away. So you're not, you know, losing a whole bunch yeah. of games or competitive balance by, by taking those out. All right. I, 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 you know, I get ahead of myself sometimes. Do you have a target number of games that you want to play or a range that's looking like it's going to work? Yeah, we're, we're again, we're working through that right now, most likely in the range between, you know, 32 to, to 42, depending on, on how we map it out. And, and again, the availability of, of our facilities within our communities. And, you know, given that uh, we're, we're big parts of our communities and, and mostly in, in rural and smaller centers, we have to think through how long those facilities will be available and how long ice is going to remain as we get into the spring. So, you know, those are just some of the challenges we'll face as we navigate through scheduling here. But, again, uh, have, a, have a strong desire here to have a big season in front of us and, and meet the guidelines and, um, you know, be back in our community for sure. Ryan Bartoshik, the commissioner of the AJHL, joining us on Inside Sports. They get going on November 13th. He's telling you how they're working on the schedule. What, what, what about, uh, is there the possibility of fans? I mean, we've seen some more gathering limits be placed in the last few days with numbers going up around the province. What do you think you can do there? Yeah, right now we're, we're still allowed the 100 people in our facilities, and it's been tough. You know, you're, you're potentially... Um, not letting in families and and billets and and you know with, with the guys playing in our league, the scouting community has very has been very interested in in our athletes. So it's it's a bit of a juggling act to to meet the needs of everyone. But the discussions with the government are, are continuing, and obviously we respect what's going on in our major centers right now. And um, you know we'll have to work through what we have right now and uh, continue to move forward. So. Uh, on an ongoing basis, we're hopeful that potentially that number increases, whether it's a defined number or just a percentage capacity of our facilities. Okay. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm glad you came on. I, I'm really happy to see the league going. I, I know there are still going to be challenges and, and obviously not, not the revenue that uh, the, the league would like to have. But like I've been saying, it, it's important. I think you just don't go away for a year. People want hockey, and, and I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, every AJHL game is streamed either audio. Is it audio and video now? People can get up every game audio for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's online on Hockey TV, so all our games are there, and, and you're kind of reading through some of the scouting reports already on some of our athletes as, as the scouts move to, to a different system. So, yeah, it's, it's accessible for, for the communities and, and the scouting community as well and, and fans. So, you know, really again just excited for our athletes and you know the journey they've taken to get to this level um you know since the ages of four and five that it's been about competition so happy that you know we could work with our board and and our communities to define the start of the season and, and like i said still some more work to do and uh, always the safety guidelines in, in the back of your mind and uh, making sure our responsibilities are met Ryan, before I let you go, uh, Kale McCarr, simply outstanding for the Colorado Avalanche. Dylan Holloway, who played for the Okotoks Oilers before going to Wisconsin, was uh, drafted by the Edmonton Oilers in the first round this year. Uh, it, it is, it's a pretty special time, I think, for the AJHL producing high-end talent. Yeah, and, and you know, this week, Corson Kuhlman's out of Brooks um, with an A ranking and Central Scouting rankings, too. And, I mean, just the attention he has received in six exhibition games has been amazing. So, you know, it just speaks to uh, the importance of us playing games uh, and the development and the exposure for our athletes. And 
um, again, really excited for, for our group of athletes here moving forward. Brian, thanks for checking in here uh, on a Friday night. I know you had a busy week, and I'm just going to close with this because, uh, look, I love talking to you, and, and you got you and I stay in touch even off air sometimes just with, with things going on in your league. But I know from being in the media, if you're interviewing the commissioner a lot, usually the league is facing some sort of problem. And you and I, you and I have done a few interviews over the last few months. So uh, no offense, but hopefully we have more players and coaches on from the AJ down the yeah. road. <laughs> hey, that, that's, yeah, I, I, I hope so too, for sure. Right on. Thanks for checking in. Okay, have a good night. Thank you. That is Ryan Bartoshik, commissioner of the Alberta Junior Hockey League. So, you know, they, they still got some things to work out. It's a couple of weeks until they start. It's on November 13th when league play will begin. It's a 15-team league. They'll still kind of be in larger cohorts, so you might have a two-week period where you play a collection of teams maybe a couple times each, have a week off, and then go into a new cohort and play those teams. North will play only against the North. South will play only against the South, which is almost how it is anyway, so that's not a drastic change. 32 to 42 games for each team in the AJ and then into the playoffs. But I'm just glad they're going. It's, it's not ideal conditions. But as Ryan said, doing it without any rule modifications like the Ontario Hockey League where apparently they're not going to allow body checking in the upcoming season. Again, I, I just can't see that that doesn't get changed along the way. We will have more junior hockey talk between 7 and 7.30. We'll introduce you to Ryan Rosnowski, a very uh, special member of the Lethbridge Hurricanes Association, and Matthew Robertson from your Edmonton Oil Kings. We'll visit with him. He's I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg... This is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Going to the World Junior Selection Camp. Serge Savard, one of the greats of all time, when we get back. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. I hope you have a great weekend planned. Don't forget, tomorrow, fall back. You move your clocks back an hour when you go to bed, or if you want to do it when you get up Sunday morning. Well, I mean, really, you could do it whenever you want. You could even not do it. It's just you'd be on a different time than everybody else, and that might cause some confusion. I'm recommending that you do it. You really have the freedom not to do it, I, I suppose. But most people, I believe, <laughs> will be, wouldn't it be great if somebody just stayed on their own time? It's like, no, sorry, that's uh, you said three, but like that's five o'clock in my world, so sorry. Maybe that's what I'll do. Maybe that'll be my goal for 2021, just to operate on my own time. Anyway, 780-496-0063, the uh, number to call or text. Who wrote this one in? Is this from Cowtown Bob? Yes, it is. He says, I'm very disappointed the Ontario government changing the rules for their junior hockey league. This is going to disadvantage all the young men playing in that league. How can they be evaluated on a level playing field to players playing with body checking? Do you think other junior leagues in the country will follow suit? I don't. I mean, the WHL didn't mention that. The QMJHL, even though they've had some problems, have been playing. And we just had Ryan Bartoshik on from the AJHL, and, and they're not going to have to alter any rules. And I, something just tells me by the time the OHL plays, they, they will 
uh, allow body checking. I, I just, I, I just think that that's something that they'll find a way to get work back into the game. It doesn't seem to make sense to go ahead without it. Okay, I am pleased to welcome to the show a member of the Hockey Hall of Fame, an eight-time Stanley Cup champion. His book, Forever Canadian, has just been translated into English. All-time great defenseman Serge Savard. Serge, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Very good, very good. Glad to be with you. Hey, thanks for coming on the show. You got uh, your biography out, Forever Canadian. Of course, we want to talk about that. But, uh, man, Serge, we were were just chatting briefly before we started the interview. And, unfortunately, we lost Joey Moss earlier this week. And we've been saying how many people he affected uh, and touched over the years. And that even includes you. You even have some memories of Joey Moss. Well, I, I remember the, the two years that I played in Winnipeg, and I remember in the in the visitors' dressing room for practice, and and John John Ferguson used to bug him a lot. He tried to convince him to wear a Winnipeg Jets uh, sweater. He wouldn't do it. And we we had a lot of fun with him. It was it was a great person, great kid. Yeah, great person. Absolutely. You know, such such a positive influence in our community. And like you said, across the league and, you know, somebody else we lost earlier this year, too. And, and you got to be a teammate in, in Winnipeg. And that's Dale Howarchuk. Um, man, it was it was pretty touching hearing people remember his career and his life when he passed away. Serge, I, give us your experience of playing with Dale, having him as a teammate. Well, I I, uh, I joined the Winnipeg Jets in December 1981. That was a couple months after the season start had started, and Dale was uh, w- was the first pick overall that year. And when I arrived in Winnipeg, he was the captain uh, at 18 year old and a well respected guy. And he, he 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 loved his teammates. And and when I bought a house, he bought a house right uh, you know two three houses from, from mine. Uh, he, he, he was living with Scott Arneal and and, uh, and Mullen, and uh, and uh, they were always at the house. And uh, you know, I became close to those kids and close to, especially to Dale Howarchuk. Uh, I was on the committee for the uh, the, the selection committee for for the Hall of Fame, and uh, I worked real hard to get him in the Hall of Fame. And uh, and uh, we stayed, I went to his golf tournament and we stayed very close friend. And, and uh, it, it's in my book because I wrote something after he died. The, the, the book was not printed. And I, the only thing I changed from the French version, I just, I, I just had a, a few paragraphs about our check uh, because I had a phone call two days before he died. And uh, and he called me. I had them, and I, I saw his name on my phone. And uh, I answered the phone. He says, "Hi, Serge." He says, uh, "How are you?" And uh, I said, yeah, "Very good, very good." He says, I, "I just called to say goodbye." And he and and he says, uh, "I want you to say goodbye to your wife and your children." And uh, but he knew all my wife and my children from the, my time in Winnipeg. And then he started to cry. I, I I don't know if you ever had a, a call like that, but that's the toughest call I had in my life, and uh, and I start to cry too, and uh, that's the last time I talked to Dale Awacha. Well, sir, th- thanks for sharing that story. That, that's amazing, and what an incredible friendship you guys must have had. And he was such a great player, Serge, and he played in an era where, um, you know, there would have been a lot of the guys you played with the with the Canadians still playing, Lafleur and Robinson, and 
Gretzky and Lemieux and, and Bork in the league. Was was he a little overlooked or maybe even underrated sometimes while he was playing? Well, uh, you know, I, I didn't know him very well. Well, I saw him play junior in Cornwall one or twice. But but uh, I uh, when I move in Winnipeg and I start to, to look at this guy, uh, I couldn't believe how good he was. And he was not very, he was not, Speedy, you know that that's the one thing you lack a little bit, but but you know there's no doubt Gretzky was Gretzky and Macy were the top two players in the league at that time. But as soon as I saw that kid after a few weeks, I say, oh my God, this guy will. It's not going to be very long. This guy is going to be number three in the league. He he, uh, I, I don't think anybody could handle the puck like he did. He made up for the speed that he lacked a little bit, but uh, nobody can make a pass like him and 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 deck a player, deal, uh, go around a player and shift a player. He was he had great hands, great hands. Yeah, Serge Savard joining us tonight on Inside Sports. The book is Forever Canadian. Great picture of Serge holding the Stanley Cup. I man, so many things I could hit on. I'm going to try to focus on a couple parts of your career. I, if if you can go back to first joining the Montreal Canadiens, a storied franchise, a favorite to win all the Stanley Cup almost every year. And, and you did get to play for it and win, win many while you were there. But what was it like cracking the roster and then being a young member of, of the Montreal Canadiens with all those expectations? Yeah. Well, in those days, was only six teams in the league and two in Canada, uh, uh, Toronto and Montreal. And, and as a young Quebecer, my, my dream was to play for the Montreal Canadiens. And we were maybe 10, 15 on the ice as a kids on the pound or on the ice. And we all had the same sweater, the all Canadian sweater. And uh, and you have to, to, to go back and, 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 and know that there was no draft, you know, we, we, we went to the training. I went to the training camp of the junior Canadian at 15 and we signed a, the C formula, they call at that time. And, and you, they, they own your rights. Like, the, like Jacques Lemaire, Carol Van Ney, myself, Rogi Vachon at that time. At that time, nobody, nobody got draft. The draft came after. And, uh, and, and, and I, like I said, the dream, my dream was to play for Montreal. And I remember my first training camp, I was still playing for the junior Canadians. My first training camp with the big team, I walked in the, the when I walked in the dressing room, the first guy I ran into was Jean Billable. <laughs> and he, he shook hand with me and said, good luck, kid. I mean, wow. You know, when, when you're 17 year old and, you ran into one of the greatest players of all time, and he shook hand with you, and he takes the time to wish you good luck. Uh, you know, you say, "Oh my God, my my dream! I, I got my dream." <laughs> it, it was something unbelievable. Uh, well, but you know, I was I was I was at the right place, and I graduate with the Canadians. And my first two years, we won the cup, and I couldn't ask for more. <laughs> Well, lucky you, you got more, though. I mean, <laughs> I mean, the 1970s for the Canadians. Uh, and I mean, talk about Hall yeah. of Famers. You got you, Bowman, yeah. Fleur. It's just incredible. Dryden. Yeah. Yeah, well, I got more. You're right. And, uh, I, you know, when, when, when your second line is the Mahavlich and your first line is uh, Steve Schott with 60 goals and uh, Jacques Lemaire with 40 and uh, Lafleur on the right side with between 50 and 60. 
Uh, I mean, on defense, we had the best goalie, Ken Dryden. On defense, we were all big, 6'2", 6'3". And uh, in today's hockey, you couldn't put a team together like this because because of the salary cap. Nobody could buy a team like that. It's, it's just like... like uh, like the Oilers in in the, in the 70s and uh, you, you you can't have the top four players of the league on the same team anymore okay uh like i said so many things i could ask you i'll try to focus on a few here um let's do an infamous moment well maybe for boston it's an infamous moment for the canadians it's a famous moment uh too many men 1979 were you were you aware they had too many men what's your recollection of that call well, uh, not really. I, w- I was. Uh, I I found that out when people start to yell uh, in the stands, uh, and then you know at at that time of the game, and nobody wants to call a penalty, and and the referee didn't want to call a penalty, but they were six on the ice for about thirty seconds, twenty seconds. So they they had no choice but to call that penalty, and and uh, and. Uh, uh, it, it happened so many times against Boston that a few things happened and we turned around and won. And uh, the worst case was in 1971. They had, they had a team, a much better team than we had. And, and one game in Boston, second game in Boston, they're leading 5-1. 5-1 in the first period. And Henry uh, Richard's score at the end of the period made it 5-2. And we won 7-5. So that, that, that's quite a turnaround, and we end up winning the Stanley Cup again that year in the finals against Chicago. But that too many men on the ice, James, uh, it's, it's unbelievable, you know, and Lafleur, Lafleur score uh, on, on that power play to tie up the game, and, and we won in overtime, and wow. <laughs> that, that was uh, quite, quite a scenario. It's... Uh, I, I we had so many scenarios like that where like Team Canada 70, 72. I mean we came from behind and and we couldn't tie. We had to win and we we end up winning the last three games in Moscow on the big surface. That was quite an achievement too. Well, that that's another incredible. Uh, and I, I didn't they win? Didn't Canada win? Or they went 4-0-1 in all the games you played? Because did, did you not have some sort of a, a fracture or something like that in the middle of that Summit Series? Well, in, uh, in Montreal, the first game with that we lost, I think, 7-3, uh, I was not dressed. Uh, because Harrison and I told the whole team, we were something like 40 players, he said, everybody will play. See, too many, everybody... Uh, we're telling us we're on the uh, we're thinking that we were not we were not going to lose a game. So, so what happened? You start to dress, you know, certain player, and you would dress other players the next night. But we lost. We we got a very very hard warning the first game, and we lost seven uh, three. Uh, so two days later, we won. I was dressed in in Toronto. We won four two. And two days later, we tie in Winnipeg. But the next morning at the workout, uh, I, I, had a, I was in front of the net, and I received a slap shot from Red Berenson right on the ankle. And uh, didn't break my ankle, but I had a hairline fracture. So, so I, I missed 
the next two games and I played in the last three. So it happened that I, I was four and one. I, I did not lose a game. Amazing, amazing. Okay, uh, let's let's touch on your general manager career. The Canadians won the Stanley Cup in 86. They won in 93. In both years, they had a good team in the regular season, but going into the playoff surge, as I remember it, there were some other teams that were maybe a little more heavily favored uh, to win the Stanley Cup. When you compare 86 or 93, was there one that was maybe more surprising in your mind, if that's the right word? Uh, I, I guess both both team both team were not favorite. Uh, you know, we were maybe the fourth or fifth favorite. A lot of team got beat. A lot of good team got kicked out of the playoff early, and, and it's it's not our fault. Uh, like in '93, we played the the best team right off the bat. We played Quebec. Quebec was a little bit stronger than we were. We lost the first game, the first two games, and we won the rest. Uh, so. We 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 won, and uh, and after losing against Quebec, the first two games we lost only two games the rest of the way. So the the, the team got better and better and better. But in '86, I, I, you know that Patrick Roy was a, was a rookie, but Robinson was still on the team. Uh, Bob Ganey was still on the team. I I still uh, I had quite a few good experienced player, and uh, both of the team were. Had their strength and their weaknesses, but but as as a result, we we were a good team, you know. That we played together, that's what made our strength. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Serge Savard, Hockey Hall of Famer on Inside Sports. More with him coming up. Hockey Hall of Famer Serge Savard joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Okay, Serge, I I, want to ask you a couple more. And thanks for being so generous with your time. The new book is Forever Canadian. Uh, here's maybe a tough one. Is there a player in the current NHL that reminds you of yourself? I, I really don't know. Uh, uh, <laughs> you know, me. What I really like, I, 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 I like a good defensive defenseman that can play the game. Uh, you know, uh, when we won in uh, in '86, probably. One guy that was probably the best defensive defenseman in the league was Rick Green, but he didn't. Nobody pay attention to him. You know, he didn't score that many goals. But defensively, he was probably the best defenseman. That's those type of defense that I like. And look, the the last time a Canadian team won the Stanley Cup was the Canadians in in 1993. There have been some teams who have been close. Edmonton, Calgary, Ottawa have been in the final. The Canadians have gone to the East final a couple of times, but uh, nobody can get over the hump. Like, why is that? Was it financial maybe in the 90s? Is it the pressure of playing in Canada? Like, I don't know if you have a a take on that because, man, this country should have liked that. I think the financial in the in the ninety really hurt the team because they were they were really uh, they had major problem. Even at one point of time, 
Uh, I thought that only Toronto and Montreal would survive, but eventually things changed around and all the team uh, got, got pretty well financially. But now with that COVID, I guess uh, all the teams will get uh, will will get hurt a little bit. But uh, no, but I, I I think it's just luck or maybe uh, maybe it's something bad management. Okay, it Surge, the book, Forever Canadian. Uh, I mean, so many great stories. T- just tell us about getting getting the book rolling. I imagine, uh, uh, you know, I imagine maybe you could have done this sooner with such a great life and a, a great career. Tell me about getting the book going. Well, uh, I was asked for about 10 years to do a book, but I, I, I didn't really want to do it. I was not ready until uh, my son, one of my son, Mark, told me, if you don't do it, I'll do it. I said, well, maybe it's the time to do it. <laughs> but I, I think it's all work, but but uh, it's fun. Uh, I, I, I really enjoy to, to do the book. I enjoy uh, the part of my youth when I started as a youngster in, in a small village 400 miles northwest of Montreal. Similar weather than Edmonton in the winter. It's... Uh, but it's a lot of fun. We we launched the, the book in French last year. It was a very, very good success. And uh, we launched the English version last Wednesday. And uh, hopefully we'll do as well. I think so. It's a, I, I like the book and uh, I'm, I'm very happy with it. Serge, a pleasure to have you on the show. Glad to hear you're doing well. Thanks for talking about the book. Thanks for telling some stories as well. All the best to you, sir. Thank you very much. That is Serge Savard, Hockey Hall of Famer. What a treat to talk to him. Very kind things to say about Joey Moss and Dale Howarchuk, who we have both lost this year. Some memories of playing for the Canadians, those rivalries against the Boston Bruins. And, yeah, the book Forever Canadian, E-N at the end, now available in English. It came out in French last year. The pizza delivery man texts in. He says the development of the players in the OHL will suffer greatly if they go ahead with the elimination of body contact. It's like football without tackling, beer without alcohol, and pizza without cheese. Great perspective from the pizza delivery man. Hey, here's a really cool story when we get back. We're going to introduce you to Ryan Rosnowski, who works for the Lethbridge Hurricanes. He has Down syndrome, like Uh, like Joey Moss and Joey one of his inspirations and Ryan's uh, dad Wayne is also going to join us on the call be really cool to get to know them when we get back 630 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad